today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. His mother had a profound and powerful influence and impact on the life of her son. Never, ever underestimate the role that a mother plays in the life of their children, particularly their son. Certainly the father has the role, but there's something about the role and the influence of a godly mother. The power of a praying mother. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will remind you there's nothing quite like the impact of a godly mother in the life of a child. A father's influence is just as important, but in the lives of most children, the mother is the primary caretaker. So to have someone teaching biblical principles in early development is priceless. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Proverbs chapter 31 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. We are going to complete the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 31. I want to talk about forgetting the past, and I'll explain why. I don't know if you knew this or not, but it is believed that Solomon is writing about his mother in this chapter. Uh, That's interesting. You know who Solomon's mother is? Bathsheba. Really? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, She has a past. Yeah kind of a scandalous past. You know what happened, right? Yeah, she was bathing one night, and King David, when he was supposed to be at war, stayed back, saw her, sent for her, committed adultery with her. That, that's, that's her. And <laughs> she's now this virtuous woman, This godly wife, Bathsheba? Yeah. Despite her scandalous past, God, as only He can, forgave her, and she, at this point in her life, has become this godly woman and this virtuous wife. As we go through this chapter, I want you to view it through the lens of God's mercy and grace. You know who Solomon's dad was, right? Very interesting. The role that Solomon's mother had would seemingly according to this chapter here in God's Word, which is why I believe that God deemed it necessary to include in His Word, it would seem to indicate that His mother had a profound and powerful influence and impact on the life of her son. Never, ever underestimate 
the role that a mother plays in the life of their children, particularly their sons. Certainly the father has the role, but there's something about the role and the influence of a godly mother. The power of a praying mother. The influence that she had on his life. You know, I was thinking about the lineage of the Savior of the world. It's recorded in two Gospels, in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. It is a fascinating study. You know, when we get to the the genealogies, you know, you you tend to kind of read through them and, you know, boring. And you just kind of, you know, get, get to the you know, the meat of the, you know, text. And so you just kind of, you read the begats, and they begat them, and they begat them. And, you know, for one thing, it's kind of hard to pronounce some of the names. And so you just kind of tend to almost be dismissive of those names, and to do so is to do so to your own peril. And I'll explain why. When you go into the lineage of the Savior of the world. You know what you're going to find there? You're going to find prostitution, incest. I mean the most sordid ancestry, if I can say it that way, in the family tree of the Savior of the world. Question is, why? Oh, because it speaks to the grace and the mercy of God despite our past. Let's let's just talk about David, Solomon's father, just for a moment. Think about this. David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, a man after God's own heart. His heart was after God's own heart. He had a heart for God. And yet, he committed adultery. He committed murder. Two capital crimes for which under the law at that time were punishable by death. That's the same David. And when we were going through and studying First and Second Samuel, even when we got into the Kings, and studying the life of David, and certainly we revisited the life of David vis-a-vis the Psalms, many of which he wrote. And during that study of the life of David, to me there were times, I have to confess, where it was just too much information. I don't want to know that about David. I don't, I, I don't, that, I, I don't want to know that he had Uriah the Hittite brought back, gets him drunk to try to have him sleep with his wife to cover up his sin. Because, oh, guess what? She's pregnant. So what's he going to do for the better part of one year? And he says it in the Psalms. He was dying inside until Nathan the prophet was sent a type of the Holy Spirit, to convict, not to condemn. 
And Nathan presents him with this case to judge, unbeknownst to David, he is that man. What man? Oh, he's this man that had any sheep and all sheep he could pick from to his liking, yet he stole the only one that this man had and took it for himself. And so Nathan presents him with this case and says, what should happen to this man? And David is incensed. And he says, this man should pay the price. And then Nathan says to him, you are that man. And what does David do? He falls on his face. And then what does Nathan do? Nathan says, David, God has forgiven you. He has put this sin away from you. And it's the mercy and the grace of God. And it's hard to wrap your mind around, but David would be the one from whom the Savior of the world would come. And you ready for this? You know who else it would come from? Bathsheba. Bathsheba. What's the point? The point is that regardless of our past, God is able. You've let the enemy put thoughts in your mind like, God could never use you because of your past, the things that you've done. I mean, come on, you've been divorced how many times? You you think God could actually use you? God takes the foolish things of this world, you're you're looking at one, (laughs) to confound the wise, the weak, to shame the strong. Why is it? And, and why is it that we have such graphic detail about just the horrific and unthinkable sin of someone like David? Why does God deem it necessary to have recorded in the pages of Holy Writ, the canon of Scripture, such sordid details? Is it to show us how bad David was? how bad Bathsheba was? No, it's to show us how good God always is, despite how bad we've been, or how bad our past was. You know, when God sees us, He does not see our sin, He sees His Son. That's what He sees. And it's as if we've never sinned. He forgives us of our sin and removes that sin as far as the east is from the west. And he remembers them no more. But here's the enemy trying to keep bringing up the past. And and sometimes he doesn't have to go back too far. He's just constantly reminding you of what you did again. (laughs) What's his sole goal? His sole goal is to build this infrastructure of guilt and condemnation. 
Because if he can build that infrastructure of guilt and condemnation in your life concerning your past, he's got you. And here's the problem with that. And it's always the litmus test by which you know if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's the enemy. Because there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ, Romans 8.1. So if I feel condemned and guilty, what's going to happen? I'm going to be distanced from the Lord. Whereas if it's the Holy Spirit and conviction instead of condemnation, then I'm drawn closer to the Lord. See, here's what Satan does. He tries to paint this picture of your your father in heaven that's just kind of like had it up to here with you. I have told you till I'm blue in the face. You know, we, we tend to frame our heavenly father through the lens of our earthly father, and that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. So if I believe and am deceived that my father in heaven is angry at me, well, I better, you know, I better lay low, right? Conversely, if I know He is merciful, we're just waiting. Instant mercy. He is faithful. If I confess my sins, He is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. And the enemy doesn't want you to do that, because he knows as soon as you do that, his infrastructure of guilt and condemnation comes crashing down. And he can no longer, because see that's his whole goal, is to distance us from the Lord. See before we come to Christ, his sole goal is to keep us from the Lord. Then we come to the Lord, and he shifts his strategy. Now his whole strategy is to distance us from the Lord. And, and here's, here's what it sounds like, and here's what it looks like. Um, I, I wouldn't go to church if I were you, <laughs> after what you did. Oh, you're going you're gonna to pray? Really? How's that working out for you? Like God's going to hear you now. And so what's he doing? He's painting a picture of God just, you know, sitting on the throne going, really, you're going to pray? Yeah, that's what you said. That's what you come to me, all you that are heavy laden and weary and burdened and crushed under the weight of the guilt of your sin, and I will give you rest. He's waiting with open arms. The parable, you know, we, we call it affectionately, we refer to it as the parable of the prodigal son. But I would. I would argue that it's really more about the parable, if I can say it this way, the parable of the loving Father. But you know, we miss it in this culture, sadly, but in the Middle East, in my culture, it is, you would never see a father gather his robe in that day, in that culture, and today, in the, to this day, modern day. You'll never see the father run to the son. And yet that is the picture that God wants indelibly etched on the tablets of our hearts and minds concerning who He is as our loving Heavenly Father. Just waiting 
watching from afar when he sees us come to him. And I, you know, the, the parable is so powerful because it's like the son is rehearsing what he's going to say. Well, okay, dad, I'm so sorry. I took my, all my inheritance. I completely blew it. Take me back. I mean, I don't even have to be your son. I'll, I'll be your servant. He's probably rehearsing that all the way back home. Okay, okay, dad, I'm sorry. No, I don't want to say it like that. Okay, dad, I'm, and, he, and he's rehearsing how he's going to, and, and then much to his surprise, I would imagine, when his father sees him from afar off, he runs to him and embraces him. That's our heavenly father. Yeah, but man, I really blew it. I know. You think I was surprised? Can you imagine that? God, God's surprised. What did JD do? Oh, God, no. He's waiting for us to show mercy to us. It's not about what I've done. It's what he's already done. It's already been paid for. I am forgiven. I have but to get to the cross as quickly as I can and ask for forgiveness because that's where my sin was paid for and that's where the past stays. You know that saying, I, I hate to, I actually, and I don't usually do this, you know, like secular quotes that are sanctified in a sacred sense. Okay, here's the secular saying, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, see, look at your reaction already. I, now I wish I would have never brought it up. <laughs> But the sin that I take to the cross stays at the cross because that's where it was paid for. And my problem is, is that I'm, you know, I, I, I take it to the cross, I, you know, and, and then I, I kind of take it back. I start carrying it around. And the longer I carry it, the heavier it gets. And that's exactly what Satan wants. And he keeps rubbing your nose in your past. I have to confess that when it became clear that God was calling me into the ministry, <laughs> into the pastorate no less, I, I think it was Gail Irwin who once said, the only thing that makes me wonder about God is His calling and choosing of me. That's the only thing that makes me wonder, hmm, that's the only thing that makes me question God is that He would choose to use someone like me. And it took me a while. I mean, I fought, I kicked, I bit, I scratched, I, you know, uh, that's why I'm calling you, because again, God calls and uses the foolish to confound the wise. Why do you think that is? So that He alone can get the glory. So as we study this chapter, what we're going to see here is the mercy of God. Here's this virtuous woman this godly wife and mother, despite her past, as only God can. So verse 1, we're told that these are the words of King Lemuel. Who's that? Solomon. It's believed that that's what his mom, Bathsheba, would call him. You know how, you know how moms are. 
They have nicknames for their little baby boys. I won't tell you what mine was. But my mom would not call me by my name. If she called me by my name, I was in deep kimchi. If she calls you by your full name, it's really bad. But when there's this affectionate, (laughs) you know, name given, this nickname, this, you know, endearing name, and that's what it's believed was his name that she would call him. Come here, little Lemuel. (laughs) The utterance which his mother taught him. Now verse 2 is interesting, because it almost sounds local. What, my son? Right? (laughs) And what, son of my womb? And what, son of my vows? It's a kind of a rhetorical, poetic. Oh, by the way, this proverb is an acrostic proverb, which means that each verse started with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So it is a poetic writing and an acrostic in that sense. And the reason why some of the scriptures, like we saw this particularly in the book of Psalms, were written in an acrostic is because that's how you would remember. I was able actually to memorize the names of all the books of the Bible using the first letter of each book. And even though it was nonsensical, just using the acrostic, I was able to memorize. And for me, I'm going to tell you, <laughs> the, anyway, that's enough of my problem. So this is an acrostic proverb. Verse 3, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroys kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law, and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing, verse 6, and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. What's the godly advice from Solomon's mother? It's this, and here's the common denominator. Do not, as a king, someone in a position of responsibility and authority and leadership. Do not come under the intoxicating influence of wine and women, because if you do, your judgment will be skewed. It's easy to dismiss Old Testament books as ancient texts that hold little meaning for you today. However, there's plenty of application for your life right now in this modern world. The book of Proverbs is one that specifically provides advice, admonishment, and encouragement for your life as a follower of Christ. As you listen to Pastor J.D.'s message today, though, you may have realized that you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's the case, we'd like to encourage you to change that right now. We have a simple guide that will tell you more. Just visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This will tell you why it's so important to 
put your faith in Jesus and how easy it is to start a relationship with Him. We'd love to hear from you too and we're available to answer any questions you may still have. Please get in touch with us through our contact form on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring your friends and family along too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God with Pastor J.D. Be sure to let us know that you're a listener of In Spirit and Truth when you visit. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. With that, our time with you has come to an end. Thanks for being part of our study here today. We hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the truths found in the book of Proverbs right here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth, truth.